This week on the Boag World Show, we talk about icons and logo design with the legendary John Hicks. The transcription for this week's show has been kindly provided by the team at Template Monster and Percher Back, sponsoring Marcus's terrible joke. BoagWorld.com, the podcast for those involved in designing, developing and running websites on a daily basis. My name's Paul, joining me is, as always, Marcus. Hello, Marcus. Hello, Paul. How you doing? I'm very tired. <laughs> Aww. Have you been out being... I know you've been out buying cars and, and vans and things, haven't well, you? Well, I haven't been buying cars. I've been buying motorhomes <laughs> for my mm. new luxury lifestyle of travelling. Well, it's basically, it's my backup plan. When my new business folds be- be- and I can't pay the mortgage anymore, it's going to be fine. You've got a little house. I've got a little house on wheels. Yes. So it's all good. <laughs> but why would that make you tired, Paul? No, I'm tired because I feel like I'm doing two jobs at once at the moment. Because I'm trying to finish off Headscape stuff. Mm. And I'm trying to make sure that I can feed the family <laughs> in whenever. Well, you know, hey-ho. You've no sympathy for me, have you? None at all. <laughs> do you know that the day this goes out yes is my second to last day at headscape right so you're sad aren't you now i'm quite sad you're not really are you no i'm a bit i know i am a bit it's weird <laughs> isn't it yeah it's very peculiar but I've, I've, i don't know whether chris told you but we might already have found a project we can work together on Yes, yes, he did mention that uh, briefly, which um, yeah, sounds perfectly doable and good, and I know the right sort of the sort of thing we all do. So. I know. I Marvelous. was very happy, happy, clappy when I found that one. So that's good. So we we are still friends, and we still love one another. <laughs> no, it's this mentorship thing I've been doing. Do you know about that? Yes. Flip me. Mm-hmm. That's popular. <laughs> I'm not used to being popular. I haven't been popular. Ever. Not even when I was at school. I was the unpopular kid. Not like you. I wasn't in a band. <laughs> but now you are. But now you're rock and roll, Paul. I'm rock and roll. No, I'm not. But that, that has proved very popular, so that's good. I have to put a link in the show notes to it. Because, you know, that's, that's what I do now. Just pimp stuff the whole time. Hey, so. What? What have you been doing? What have I bought over the weekend? Well, no, I meant, I, I meant, you know, headscape-wise, because, you know, I want, I, I feel out of the loop now. Um, I've been sorting a lot of things out. Have um, you been rationalising? Have you been using my departure as a time to clean up? No, well, obviously, the, 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 these times of lots of sorting out, lots of forms and all of that kind of thing, and lots of serious phone calls and that kind of Uh. stuff. Um, Also along the lines of um, sorting out uh, quite a sort of tricky project that we've been doing at the moment. So I do feel like the last two weeks has been a little bit kind of tough. Oh, Yeah, poor me. Um, But I've got a few interesting things that I'm talking to people about, um, which is... Which is very cool. Um, whether they come off or not, who knows? Um, but yeah, we could do with a little bit of a bit of good luck because we're losing Paul. So we could do with a bit of good luck to kind of. Now, some steer- would argue that is good luck. <laughs> I mean, you know, the amount that you're going to save in gadgets alone. I think I've already made that joke on the podcast. Probably, yeah. yeah and all those people that didn't want to work with us because of you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> suddenly, you've got all these leads coming in. Oh, thank crap! I won't have to deal with Paul. <laughs> I don't think that's the case. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah. So it does feel like it's been a, a lot to do. I feel like I've been doing two jobs, Paul. Ah, oh, I see you too. There, there you go. It's also ti- too tiring. Mm. Also, it doesn't help. It's blooming January, does it? Everything everything seems hard to work in January, I think. I think as a month it should be cancelled. I look out the window and there is perfect blue sky I with know. not a cloud in it. 
I know that is, that is cool. It, um, so I don't mind it. I, well, I went wandering down to the village uh, yesterday uh, in similar weather and said, "I don't. I, I've not got bored of winter yet. Normally, it's by the time of my birthday, which is the end of February, when I'm thinking, right, come on, warm up. Yeah, but no, <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. This is kind of you know, this makes me wish I had my new motorhome to go away." It's very cold out there, though. Yeah, it is. Looks pretty, but very cold. That's true. I don't like the outdoors. <laughs> so, don't did you, you do anything don't... exciting over the weekend? What did I do over the weekend? I did lots of nice eating and drinking. It was my mum's 79th birthday yesterday. Um, so, we, she took us all out for lunch. Oh, I'm right. Not quite, I'm not quite sure how that works, but there you go. No, that's um, very peculiar. So, um, yes, went for a lovely lunch. Wandered down to the pub later. I but, think she's she's setting you up. That's what I think she's doing. By being really generous this year, she's basically saying, I'm expecting something pretty damn good on my 80th. Um, she's, not, uh, she's not setting it up. She's actually spelt that out in no uncertain terms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's, there's no having to read between the lines or anything like that. Ah, right. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So um, there you go. Yeah, she doesn't beat around the bush, my mother. So we got, we got a good show today. We got John Hicks on. Well, you I want... missed this one too. You missed this one too. You missed all the best ones. Mm. No, that's really insulting to the people <laughs> yeah, that you were yeah. on. <laughs> I think I missed two or three, maybe. And right. this was this was one of them. It was early on when I was um, uh, busy doing other important things. things. Yes, yes. No, John. John was great. John's always great to talk to, isn't he? He's just such a nice bloke, and he really. Uh, if you don't know John Hicks, he's he's an amazing guy. He's basically. Um, the go-to guy really for icon design and logo design so if you think of some cool startup kind of company chances are john hicks has designed their their branding so mailchimp um he's done um icon sets for um uh, spotify um he famously has done the firefox logo which he's never managed to live down Famously, um, he did the Headscape logo. And he did, yeah, he did the Headscape Famous. logo. We don't really kind of fit into the same coolness level as <laughs> as most of his clients. I think he did it as a favour more than anything. But yeah, so so he's very cool, so I'm going to talk to him. But I do need to talk about sponsors before we get into the yes, interview. we must. Because the, the sponsor this week, again, is, is Template Monster. Mm. So this is show number three yes that's right and so they have once again provided this week's transcription which is really lovely of them um and i continue to discover more and more things about template monster from going you know looking around their site they're the largest template library on the web see now this is in the world uh, unbelievably big and it's really interesting because you know when i asked them to sponsor i said is there anything you want me to kind of say about you on the show nah whatever you want (laughs) it's just they're so laid back it's so cool so i had to i had to do some research of my own and i discovered all these kinds of things about them so the largest library on the web um they do some very cool stuff they've even got some like um quite experimental templatey stuff that i can't imagine would actually be very good for a commercial project but it's very very cool so it's worth having a nose around just to look at that and the other thing that really impresses me is they have 24-7 support, right? So if you have problems setting up your template, you can get them to help you do it. And they provide basic training and all kinds of stuff. They'll even customize the template for you. So if you want to buy a template and then change it around a bit, they'll help you do that. Mm. And they throw in stock imagery with the templates you buy. So you don't have the additional cost of having to buy stock imagery for it more. So they're, they're really quite... It's kind of, I didn't realise how many added extras and stuff they did. I just thought, you know, you buy your template, you download it, away you go. But actually, they seem to have quite a lot of extra stuff as well, which is very cool. So you can check out them at templatemonster.com. And I'm incredibly grateful that they're, um, <laughs> they're helping provide the transcriptions, which are scaringly expensive. But there you go. <laughs> so next up is our interview with John Hicks. As I said, John Hicks is an amazing guy. If you haven't seen his book, Icon, then you need to check it out. I'll put a link in the show notes to it. It's a thing of beauty. It's one of those books that you want to buy just so you can put on the coffee table and make you make yourself look designy, <laughs> right? Because it's just a beautiful book. And um, I actually learned stuff 
about weird things like SVG and and which is better to go for, web fonts or SVG? And yeah, it's great stuff in there. So we're going to talk to John for a bit, um, and then we're going to be back for the most exciting part of the show these days, which is Marcus's joke. Yeah, maybe I should start with the joke these days, and then people would just that they'd get what they need, and then they could leave. I I do think <laughs> they come for the interview. <laughs> I'm sorry to let, let sorry to mention that, but I think that's right. the case. And so, with no further ado, the interview. So hello John, how are you? I'm alright, thanks. How are you? Yeah, yeah. It's that it's that magical time of the year when you don't want to do any work and just sit around waiting for Christmas. Oh, I know. Actually well since about November I've just wanted to hibernate. I know. You know, curl up into a you know a sofa with some DVDs and um, you know just not not work or not engage with life and say you know I'll, I'll I'll come out in March. You know, apparently there were French peasants that used to do that. Oh. Essentially, that it was life was so hard over the winter in this certain part of France that they they all but hibernated. They they got their <laughs> cache of food. They moved into the house right. and they they slept and ate and that was about it. So I think we ought to bring this back. You know, yeah. we don't want to lose our tradition. Yeah, we don't really have the harsh winter to go with it, but yeah, no. we can, it, it doesn't matter, does it? We can no, still do that. Not really. Of course, it is somewhat relevant because by the time this podcast comes out, it will be 2015. So you are actually in the future right now. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, I know. It's cool, isn't it? <laughs> so there we go. So so this, as I um, seem to be saying um, every week when I do one of these interviews, uh, this this whole season of the podcast is a massive con. It's, it's basically <laughs> the idea of this season of the podcast is for us to get free advice and consultancy from very clever people about areas where we're weak right, mm-hmm. and a bit rubbish. And one area we are, well, we're so weak and a bit rubbish at it that we just avoid it entirely, is the kind of logo design, app design, branding kind of area. Mm -hmm. So we thought, who better than the man that did our branding and obviously did every piece of kind of logo and app design that, that basically, if you've heard of any cool app, John is the man that's done the icon. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but it's certainly it's helpful at conferences because when people say at conferences, you know, well, what do you do? What, what, what do I know you from? Uh, you usually look at the sponsors and you've got people like Spot, um, Shopify and MailChimp. Yeah. And you think, oh, it was them <laughs> over there. Well, so that's, least, quite, that's quite useful. At least we've moved beyond that. You did the Firefox logo now. I know. That was that was embarrassing for a while, wasn't it? It was a bit like, a, you know, like Big in Japan or something or one hit wonder <laughs> you know it's just like oh and, and there was occasions where i had to sort of bring it out if i was at a i was at a party in new york for a startup that i was working for and i was really struggling with some conversation with some of these people they were quite dry and i had to bring out the oh yeah yeah so i did the firefox logo <laughs> as a kind of last ditch attempt to try and get some conversation going but yeah it didn't work <laughs> Well, I mean, the fact that I've been looking at your your icon design only this morning because I've been chatting well with Dan on Skype right now. Ah, yeah. He gave me a big thumbs up, which will be your thumbs up, I believe. Oh, thank you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> so you designed them, and then someone else animated them. Is that right? Yeah, basically. Um... When we were working on the project, the, the idea was to, to keep the existing Skype style, so these really tiny sort of um, bitmaps or really sort of pixel art kind yeah. of icons. Uh, so we redid them in that style, um, and then we did all the various sizes. And then a guy um, called Julian Frost, uh, who he took these original uh, Illustrator files and, and really brought them to life. You know, he did such an amazing job. And it's uh, sometimes I get the credit for the animation, so you know, I I just kind of keep quiet. <laughs> well, absolutely, because <laughs> yeah. the, the animation is lovely on these. It movies. is, and there's some it's particularly good ones like dance. Oh, I must, haven't tried dance. Oh, it must have taken him ages. But we've got the kind of the John Travolta type character in the white suit. <laughs> um, but he brought it to life and did several different kinds of dance in it. And it just, yeah. I'm he, sending he is, you a dance now so I can see. Oh, very cool. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, amazing work. And actually, with the new Skype now, they've got this option where you can have large emoticons. So if you're just posting one by itself, yeah, it, you actually see the detail in it, which is great. That but, is brilliant. I love that very much. So uh, you've obviously this has become your area. Is it? Is it take the majority of the time that you do now? Is this you know kind well, of what, what else are you up to? Do you still do web design? Well, not really, no. I mean, I think the last website I did was about four years ago, to be honest. Wow. Apart from, apart from just, like, you know, little side projects or my own yeah. one. Um, but that's not necessarily because I've, I've chosen that path. But I would say probably about 75% of my work is interface design. So I'm still doing a lot of work with Opera. Right. And doing a lot of work on stuff that generally doesn't get seen it's kind of more experimental stuff and we do a lot of um, mocking up of new features and ideas in css and html mm-hmm. and uh, i would say the rest of that 25 percent is the occasional kind of logo design uh, branding project or icon sets and i think it's it's something that sort of happened really since releasing the icon handbook yeah but people have actually said we'll actually need an icon set it's usually companies that they've got a very sort of specialist need. So they've gone to royalty-free icon sets and they've not found everything they need. Like yeah. um, I did a set for Cochlear, uh, this company in Australia who make the um, the hearing implants. Oh, yeah. And they needed all sorts of things like MRI scanner and, uh, you know, <laughs> what what to expect from your first operation, kind of all these sort of, you know, quite sort of, you know, uh, specific icons. So they, they can't get that from a, a royalty-free set. So that's where I come in and uh, I can create a whole set in the same style. So there's, there'll be some that are very common, like, you know, back, forward or menu. Mm-hmm. But then there'll be all the uh, the very sort of specific ones. So um, yeah, I've kind of, I've kind of found a little niche doing that, and also talking about it because it, it is quite a sort of a very small specific part of the whole um, thing of you know like in websites or app design. Um, I, sometimes I think it's a little bit like you know saying I, I design the copyright line in footers. That's that's my job. You know, a little bit too bit too narrow. You know. Like, Oh, great. That takes all day, does it? Yeah. <laughs> so it was really funny because um, my son is, has started creating pixel art. And oh. so I was sitting down with him yesterday going through your book, the, the Icon Handbook, just showing him all the different things and, you know, how he could do it. And so, so you're, you, you've doubled your credibility with my son because he al- already thought you were cool because of your knowledge of Doctor Who. But, <laughs> but now you do, you know, icons. That, that just really sets you over the top. So. Oh, that's nice. And I've, got to get, <laughs> I've got to get on the right side of your son because um, I've seen what happens didn't someone get you to get him to punch him for, you for him? Yes, Anna That's, Debenham uses. How is this? Yeah, Anna yeah. Debenham uses my son as a remote punching tool. That's it. It's, it's not good. I, <laughs> I I need to ban my son from Twitter so he doesn't see uh, Anna's updates. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Blocker. Exactly. So, um, so you do. There's kind of different things here, isn't there? Because you've got kind of corporate uh logo design identity stuff then you've got icon sets and then you've got kind of application icons for things you know like an os app or or whatever Mm. else do you do those as well yeah yeah i mean it's uh to be honest there's less of it these days i think there was a the real trend especially when i was writing the the icon handbook there was this big trend for application icons to be big photorealistic um lovely icons and i remember when we wrote the book we've got the um the latest files from panic for the transmit icon oh yeah the yellow van yeah and the basically um the, the 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 maximum size you can show on a Mac is a hundred one thousand two hundred four pixels square, but they do their art icon artwork twice that size. Okay, partly because it's sort of future proofing, yeah, and also because it means that they can work on a bigger fan canvas and and get the detail in, and the detail is incredible, you know, in those icons, um, and then. You know, within the last few years, there's a real shift, and you've, you've probably seen this, that now we're heading towards, I hate to use the F word, yeah. uh, but flat icons. You know, they're, they're very much simpler, um, 
they're still they're still gradients, but they're very subtle, and they're certainly not going for any kind of photorealism. So they've gone from these very kind of high you know high illustration jobs to something you know very simple. And again, it's it's fashion, and things will change. And but I think partly for that reason, um, the few the few icon uh, application icons I've done recently have actually been uh, companies who've I've done done one of these sort of photorealistic ones before. And they want to come back and say, well, you know, now on iOS especially, you know, we need to have a different style because it just doesn't fit. It doesn't, um, yeah, you know, uh, doesn't look part of that uh, OS. It's that whole thing of, you know, like you could tell when something was written in Java, you know. Yes. Um, it just didn't feel right. It didn't sit there or harmonize. So, um, yeah, that's that's what I have, I have been doing quite a bit of recently. It's just redoing old work, which is great. So, I mean, it's there... In terms of your approach, um, in your thinking and in the practical kind of doing, is there a big difference between how you approach icon sets and applications and logos? Yeah, I mean, basically, the, the, the two the two divisions there are logos and icons. Okay. Because, um, and to summarise it, a logo, basically, you're looking for something that's going to be unique uh, but memorable. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with an icon, you're actually looking for something that isn't unique. You're trying to find the, the symbol to use or the glyph to use that that everyone uses, mm. so that you're not sort of trying to to redo things from scratch. I think oh, the home icon is always a good example because you know you could represent the home icon. Uh, you could do a very fancy kind of grand kind of mansion type house, or you could try and do something different, like a welcome mat or something. But these all get away from the fact that you've got to do the simple standard home icon that everyone else does yeah. because that's the point. You've got to be able to recognize it quickly. It's not there to be different. It's there to be, to be recognized. And I mean, that's, that's a kind of classic mistake. I often think that young designers make, you know, that they want to, you know, they feel like, Oh, we need to push things forward. We need to do things in a new way. And yeah. So, yeah. You know, I mean, and it's, it's, it's difficult because you don't want to sort of stamp on that kind of enthusiasm. But it, icons are definitely an area where, you know, you're, 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 you're being reserved and conservative works. You know, it's one of those rare places. Um, but with logos, definitely it's, it's, you, you're aiming for something that still is recognizable and memorable, but, but something that's unique, something that you can own that other people don't. Yeah. Actually, that, that makes me think of an interesting one in terms of, of kind of sticking with conventions. One that's a bit more controversial, which is the hamburger menu. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> that's kind of become a convention. Yeah. But nobody seems to like it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's just it. I think it's a case of whether you like it or not. I think the like is maybe aesthetic reasons. But... We've actually had that menu icon since the uh, mid late seventies, really? and it was one of yeah, it's one of the original. I think it was the I can't remember, I never remember. It's the Alta or the Star, but there was a Xerox machine that had the first graphical user interface. Yeah, and uh, one of the icons it had was that three bar um, icon to represent a list item. You know, to a list of commands. Yeah, um, and it's something that now. It's 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 very much relied upon. I think. I think one of the problems with it is the fact that people think, "Well, what, what do we do about the navigation?" Oh, I'll just bung it in one of these menus that you know slides in from the left or something. Yeah. Um, but you know, my point of view is, it's it's becoming recognisable. It's becoming learned. You know, people. You don't have to think about a play or pause icon, and you don't always have to think about whether you find that aesthetically pleasing having a play or pause. You just know it and you go to it. So I think that's going to happen. You know, we're just in that phase now of everyone starting to recognize it and it's will become part of our sort of learned experience that that's what you go to. Mm. My biggest problem with it is it isn't a burger. <laughs> and I've said this loads of times before. It, it's not, it's a, it's a club sandwich. Yeah, or you are correct. A, a three bar heater or something. But, you know, it's, um, yeah, a burger's got that kind of dome on the top. So I always get a bit kind of, but it doesn't look like a burger. <laughs> You know, get that really anal way about it. Well, I mean, that must be icon design all over, is getting, you know, really into that level of detail and obsessionism, is it, is it not? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's, it's, um, 
I saw a really good example. There was a guy who I think is actually one of the best icon designers, uh, whose uh, work is at iconwerk.de. This is a German designer. And he posted this uh, picture of a Bluetooth headset. And it had about 40 different versions, all quite similar. But it was this sort of hunting for the perfect, simplified bluetooth headset yeah so sometimes you'd have like suggestions of like little buttons or something on the side or you know and that's basically what a lot of icon design is you sort of you're starting with an original concept okay it's got to look like a bluetooth headset that's fine it's a real object and that's what you call an iconic icon it's representing a real thing Mm -hmm. so you start by doing this sort of simplified version and then you could copy and do a different version of it and then you end up with this sort of um artboard full of these different versions and you can sort of start to see okay well that one i think works better than that one and it's it's a lot of like iteration even though it's a very small thing you know it could only be a 16 pixel square but mm. you end up a lot of, lot of time just going over it and to improve it do you tend to um in terms of icon sets so, so where you have an icon at multiple levels one presumes essentially and multiple sizes, I mean, essentially are having to design each of those icons separately because it's not just a matter of scaling it down, one presumes, or scaling it up. You know? Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's something that happened with Spotify. So um, uh, as part of Spotify, there was this, uh, we have a, about three or four different sizes per icon. Uh-huh. And generally what tends to happen is that the icon sort of stays uh the same proportions and scales but we do things like take stroke weights down so if you you take a a stroke weight of an icon at 16 pixels which is just a one pixel yeah um and actually this is the really nerdy bit we tend to make it 0.8 pixels of course (laughs) of course it's an illustrator thing i think generally but um basically if you've got a circle and you make it one pixel and you say you've got that stroke on the inside it actually sort of adds an extra layer of little sub-pixels. And whereas doing it as 0.8, it just sort of crispens it up. Ah. Um, so you you sort of have those little fiddles like that. And then, you know, by the time it gets to 64 pixels, it should be like four pixels, you know, if you're scaling it exactly. But that looks too chunky, so you take it back to sort of two or three. So there's also the option of adding more detail in the larger versions, just little bits of... You know, you can play with it a little bit more. Um, I mean, for example, in again in Spotify, we do these things called genre icons. So when you go to browse, yeah, and you're looking through all different types of music, we do these sort of larger icons with just that little bit more detail in them, and it's all to do with the sort of the size they're being shown. Mm. Um, but having said that, there is a, a case of, um, you know, if you're p- providing an icon that's going to be shown at that kind of size. Now, this is where it gets a bit difficult with the whole kind of high-density screens. But if you think of it as like, you know, it's going to be shown at 20 device pixels, so no matter how high that resolution is, um, then generally, yes, you would just create one icon. um, You'd make it uh, a vector if possible, like using SVG or an icon font. And um, then then basically that means you don't have to keep creating all these different bitmap versions. Yeah. So you know it'll scale and look good at anything. So I've become sorry. I, 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 if I sounded like I zoned out then, yeah, it's because it I've become hypnotised by the dancing guy in Skype. I, I'm just <laughs> still watching him dancing away, and it seems to be doing my head in. So uh, I mean, there's all kind kinds of. Oh, thanks, John. That that's just wonderful. He's just posted me a picture of somebody pulling their pants down. So that's really. Nice. Do you know what? When Microsoft took over Skype, they removed a lot of the rude icons that we'd, that we'd worked on. Um, but they kept that one. I don't know why. Yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> you obviously felt that wasn't bad. you know. No, apparently not. <laughs> um, Sorry. Yeah, what was I saying? See, now you've completely thrown me. I've forgotten. Oh, uh, in terms of kind of... You obviously spend a huge amount of effort de- developing all these different versions of the icons. I, I'm kind of... I'm quite interested in... in what you show the client because let's say for example if you designed 40 different versions of a bluetooth headset Mm. do you just show the client your preferred version or do you give them the choice don't don't you end up having long meetings where you're endlessly debating (laughs) a a, a 16 
pixel square, you know? Not long meetings, but yeah, I, would, I wouldn't show the client that many versions. I right. would just show them one. But what I might show them is uh, different approaches. So um, just recently, what was I working on for, um, for Spotify? There were icons like, there's one for reggae. Oh, um, I saw it, the little people versions that you posted on your website. Yeah, there was, there was that. So basically, there's different ways that you can do these. So, um, like recently for reggae, we were looking at, well, what are the options? How can you represent reggae? And you think, well, you know, you could do like a kind of a rasta hat, but that on its own could just be anything. It would just be a blob. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it's monochrome, so you can't use colour to help you. Yeah. Um, so you start looking at things like, well, one option was like the line of Judah, um, kind of symbol, uh-huh. uh, or we could have, uh, you know, we could have a spliff, <laughs> but you know, it's very hard. Like with a lot of those genres of music, you could actually use an instrument to represent it, you know, cause instruments can be very, can be very kind of specific to a, to a genre. So what I would do, um, is show them different approaches, different metaphors as it were. Yeah. Um, but no, when it comes to the, that kind of the Bluetooth headset kind of thing, no, that's for my own personal use. So I will do that process and then choose one that looks the best yeah because i can imagine it uh, would turn into an absolute nightmare otherwise. it would just i need you to come across as a bit of like you know an indecisive designer wouldn't it you know yes. like well i don't know you choose one yeah, <laughs> and how can you know it's very hard for the client to look at this you know a context sheet of like 40 icons and say well <laughs> i don't know any of them really <laughs> yeah exactly talking about nightmares mine can we switch to logo design for a minute because yeah. i imagine that that must be the most um subjective um <laughs> kind of picky painful process that i can possibly imagine because uh, identities you know a, a company identity is it's possibly the most important and beloved of things for most mm. organizations yeah yeah sure how the hell do you pr- approach that process <laughs> well this is the thing and it's there's no kind of process that works for everybody. Right. Um, sometimes you're spending a lot of time iterating on an icon or a logo, um, I should say. Um, and it takes a long time to get there. Uh, sometimes you can do it right first time. Okay. Um, and it, 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 it's, 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 it's not an easy one. I mean, MailChimp is actually an example where, um, there was kind of an existing logo. So this happens a lot, actually. There's some kind of, uh, there's been a startup and, um, they haven't had money at the start. So they just made their own logo. Yeah. So in the case of the MailChimp, they just sort of, they made this quite nice, actually. I thought this sort of chimp face with, uh, made out of circles. Okay. So what they said was, you know, can we develop this into a, into an actual, you know, character, full character from head to toe? Um, so for that kind of logo design, you, you know, you've got a starting point and, um, the, basically the first sketch I did, I thought, oh, actually that, that was quite good. And I sent it to them and they sort of approved it. I did the final sort of vector version. And then again, that was approved and it was, it was done. Oh, crikey. Um, and th- th- that can happen. It doesn't happen all the time. Um, but uh, I think Shopify is probably the only other example, but there's ones like there's, um, an online video, uh, player and convertible mirror. Uh, we went through, you know, no numerous iterations and on that, trying to find something. I think the problem a lot of it comes from is when when people decide that they want to show a lot of like company values or features or that kind of thing in in a logo. Ah. They're kind of trying to pack too much in. Yeah. Um, and I remember this when I was my my first job as a junior designer in Coventry. Uh, we had to do this logo for um, Kumabi Country Park. So the country park had this nice grand house. It was famous for having a lot of herons. So we wanted to show the heronry. It was an adventure park and all these sort of things. And basically what they wanted was something to show all these things in one go. Okay. So it became a really complex black and white illustration, which... um, despite us saying, you know, this isn't going to work. This can't be reproduced small. Mm-hmm. And this is especially for, in this case, because we're talking about things like 
putting adverts in newspapers. Yeah. So when you've got a small logo in a newspaper and the ink bleeds and, um, you know, it just becomes a blob. Yeah. Basically, you know, we need to choose one thing to represent it and not try and, you know, basically put a brochure into a logo. I'm quite interested when you talk about MailChimp because they've, their logo, it's almost not really a logo, is it? It's a character that kind of represents yeah. the brand. And I get that a lot, this kind of what we call mascot yeah. design. You know, basically you've got a, and there's one for Woo themes as well that I did, this little character called Hero, um, a little ninja, a little cute ninja. Oh, I know, yeah. Uh, not the kind of ninja that would kill you, more the no. kind of ninja that would um, surprise you and then maybe, you know, fall give you a head massage. Yeah, yeah. fall over. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, probably would. Um, and that's quite um, popular. And I think that's, that's, again, the other direction. So... Rather than trying to cram all these things into uh, a logo, what they're actually doing is uh, basically sort of giving the, the, the company a kind of a face, yeah. giving it some way of um, humanizing it a little bit, I think. And it, it, basically, it, it's the, the logo is there to kind of recognize the company by, really. Um, you know, you wouldn't know from the Apple logo that what they make. No, uh, but you, you over time you tend to to relate those two things together. I mean, it's essentially a signature, almost, doesn't it? You know, for the for the organisation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so when you get when you do something like Mailchimp, um, Freddie, um, what what do you deliver? Because I mean, they have they have Freddie on absolutely everything you can possibly conceive of. Yes. In, in every position known to man, including yeah. I think it's on his on their annual report where it's showing its bum cheeks and <laughs> all these different kind of positions and characteristics and all the rest of it. I mean, mm. are they constantly coming back to you saying, can you draw Freddie with his bum cheeks hanging out? I mean, what? <laughs> Oh, no, actually. <laughs> no, I mean, um, since doing the original one, they've kind of created their own new version. There's this new one that's like the, just the head of Freddy with a, that's winking. Oh, yes. And it's sort of based on the, the, the one I did, but it's, it's sort of flatter and, um, you know, again, there's that kind of, it's the, it's the fashion part of it. So yeah. it changed what was fashionable at the time and making it a little bit more up to date with this kind of flatter, more cartoony style. Um, but no, they've actually, I think they've maybe got their own illustrator now that can do Freddie and all his poses, but it is a it is an unusual one in that um, uh, Mailchimp is anyone I know that that uh, that does that that really yeah. makes the most out of it in that way. I quite like that mine. I think that works well. Um, yeah, you know because well, because it it weaves that character into everything they do, which I think is is incredibly effective. Yeah, and it also you know it, for a company like uh, for what they do, um, if you um, approach that kind of logo in a very traditional sense what would you end up with probably something with an envelope yeah you know um it's very dull so actually what they're doing is i mean some people i know don't like it i think they kind of find it a bit too overused um a bit too cutesy or you know which is annoying you know especially if there's something gone wrong and they don't want a grinning chimp face you know no absolutely greeting them but I think for most people, it does, you know, it does do do what it should do. It it does serve a, give them a more human, like a human face, chimp face. But it, it's, a, it's a warmer thing than just like some sort of corporate envelope-based logo. So, I mean, you've talked about already, you know, that trying to say too much within a logo. But what other kind of common mistakes do you see people making with logos? Because, I mean, we're surrounded by them everywhere, aren't they? You can't turn around without seeing a logo. And I can imagine as a designer that works on logos, you must be constantly in pain as you <laughs> look around the world and see these horrendous, you know, uh, implementations. And I wonder what got under your skin the most. Well, I mean... Thing is, logos are very much can be very much sort of trend led. Yeah. So there's a site called logolounge.com, and every year what they do is they sum up all the kind of trends that they've been seeing over the last year. Mm-hmm. So some years, you know, that was like very. So you had to have some kind of like you know swirly logo because it was dynamic and um, something a bit different. And 
sorry, I don't know if you heard that, but we're we're right next to traffic lights in the office, so there's very loud, loud the, motorbike. Have so, you got the window open or something? No, no, no. My just, word! It's just very loud. People people are very kind of cross. They sort of sit in the traffic lights, revving until the lights go green, and then they're off. You know. Wow. Anyway. Yes. Yeah. So so logo lounge is the the logo trends article. So for example, over the last year. There's been a trend for sort of hand-lettered type, um, things like uh, diagonals, uh, triangles, geometric shapes all coming together with different facets in different colours. Um, and uh, waves are very popular too, that kind of like the Wi-Fi kind of wave. Yeah. So it's difficult because at the same time, you know, for, for a logo to be sort of accepted and for the client to like it, it almost has to sort of follow trends a little bit. Yeah. Um, so the goal is always to try and do something that will transcend um, those kind of things a little bit. Um, something quite clever, very simple, but, but still something that you can own that people can say, you know, that's us. I remember we were trying to do a new version of the opera logo and we were thinking, oh, wouldn't it be nice just to have a really simple, just a thick, um, strokes uh, circle, yeah. um, just a really like the very simple O. We saw we saying minimal, but the problem with that is it's not ownable. You can't say, "Oh, this this circle now belongs to Opera." You know, it's um, everyone can use a circle. It's yeah. um, so that's the difficult part. But in terms of what I see in other logos that I hate, um, not so much actually. I mean, I think I see a lot of logo designs. Um, like for, I, one that immediately came to mind was the new ITV logo that was introduced a year or two ago. Oh, I don't think I've even noticed that. I don't. Oh, well, I don't it's... really watch traditional TV anymore. So, <laughs> are you internet only? Are you? I, I am a little bit of that way inclined. <laughs> well, I don't tend to watch ITV apart from Lewis because it's all filmed in Oxford and it's you know it's oh, like oh I've been there. <laughs> you know, recognizing a bit weirdly, and I had our first date and that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> is that kind of thing. Um, but uh, it, the ITV logo went from this very staid uh, capitals uh, type logo to one that's actually uh, almost like a script face. Yeah, and each letter good. is a slightly transparent color yeah. so that where they overlap, you get that you know, different color coming through. And again, that's a very trendy thing in, in logos the last couple of years. Um, I look at that and just think, yeah, I think, oh, that's great. And I see a lot of um, deep analysis on websites uh, like Under Consideration, which one that, that looks at new logos and new redesigns. And, you know, they often get sort of slagged off or a bit, oh, well, it doesn't work for me. But actually, generally, you know, I, I, I like a lot of logo design and um, uh, the stuff that's coming through. Like Airbnb is another one. Um, there was a huge post that accompanied the Airbnb logo but explaining about the process they went through. And I can't help thinking that a lot of that was sort of made up after the event <laughs> because, because that's the kind of thing I'd get asked to do I say, well, you know, well, can we show this logo, but can we show the process? And you can't say, well, actually I was just doing a doodle while I was on the phone to someone and thought, Oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> you know, cause often that, to be honest, and that is being brutally honest, that is often how it can work. <laughs> it's just, the, Oh yeah, that's a nice logo. Um, so, yeah, it, I, I don't sort of go in for that whole kind of uh, the deep, uh, you know, this is a storytelling and yeah. um, all that kind of thing. But do, you, do you not do I mean, it's, I, with design, I think a lot of it happens on a subconscious level, you know, like you say, mm. when you're on the phone and you're doodling. Um, but that doesn't mean, I don't know, is, I'm trying to work out how much of it, you know, all the irrational a rationale you add afterwards is just BS and how much of it is your subconscious processing all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's an element of that. And I think, you know, obviously the more experienced you are in design, you know, um, a designer that's been working for 30 years for a variety of clients will almost have that kind of instinct. I think, yeah. Um, of, you know, I, I know what the kind of company this is and what kind of thing will work for them. I mean, Paul Rand was a famous one for, you know, he was, was someone who never gave options for logos. Oh. And when he did, when we did the next logo for Steve Jobs, he basically said, um, no, you'll tell me all about your company. You'll, you know, you know, educate me. I'll go away and I will do what I think you should your logo be. You don't have to use it, but you do have to pay for it. Yeah. And that's it. You know, that, that's all you're getting. Well, one logo. So, 
Um, and I think in a lot of ways that is a good approach. But I also think that clients uh, are the ones that know their market. Mm-hmm. Um, so to an extent, I often do give options for, for logos, different ideas and approaches, because I think the client will be much better positioned than I will be to, to recognize uh, what would work for their, their, their particular market. I think there's also a degree that they have to believe in the final result. They have to have a sense of ownership over it because this applies yeah. with web design as well. You know, that if they don't like it, if they don't, if they're not passionate about it, if they're not, you know, they're, they're going to mess with it or they're going to destroy it yeah. later or they're going to stop using it or you know, they're going to be a bit embarrassed by it. And you can't have mm. any of those things at the end of the day, can you? No. And, you know, a lot of time you can recognize um, in their feedback what they're trying to sort of make the logo into. Yeah. And, and to say that to them, to say, you know, you don't want to do this because it's going to be dated or it's going to, um, you know, it's, it's, it's too trendy now um, or this isn't going to work for your audience. There are certain things you can recognize like that. Yeah. Um, but... And it does help, obviously, if the whole company is um, behind it. And it helps even more if it's a small company because um, you know, then you you can talk to, you know, I did one recently for that was a partnership, which is great because you can talk to both of them at the same time. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you, all the sort of the stakeholders, as it were, were involved um, and we got to a good result. What about um, kind of icon sets? Do you, do you find the same level of, kind of pickiness over that i'm guessing that they're much easier to do yeah i think think there's an element of that basically so because those differences we talked about with logos and icons um i think there's an element of style so that you know even with a a simplified logo there's still a kind of a style that you can apply to it Mm. um and that's often that style maybe has to sort of uh, harmonize with what they've already done. Yeah. Usually it's with an in-house design team, like with, with Spotify. They've got this um, style that's very rounded. So, you know, you, you can't then produce an icon set that's got all sharp edges. It's It's got to sort of sit with it and harmonize, and especially with things like the type size, and just make sure that it works with those um, things. So, like, uh, Spotify uses Proxima Nova, so all the time you're looking at things like Proxima Nova for things like the, the weight of the letters and, uh, you know, um, certain curves and things just to sort of get some ideas about how you can sort of make it sit nicely with it. So it's a um, more constraining experience than the logo design in a way. Not in a – that's not a bad – you know, we think of yeah, exactly. as being bad, but it's not necessarily. But it yeah. is a more constraining experience, I'm guessing. Sure. Yeah, and I would certainly say I would, I would provide less options. What we usually do is um, when when the, uh, a client needs an icon set, they've got a list of icons. They've usually done some kind of audit uh, and uh, got together a list of what they actually need. Mm. So from that, we will choose six icons. So we might choose a couple of really easy ones like document or reload. Uh, but then we'll choose some quite tricky ones like, you know, MRI scanner or something that's, yeah. that's a little bit more unusual. And what we'll do is a discovery phase where we um, try out a f- maybe a few different styles, different approaches, um, and then try them out in context, um, which is where, you know, usually at this, that stage I can get some kind of like, you know, um, work in progress of a design layout. Yeah. I can try these things out in. Um, and one I did for a bank in Australia, we also had to try them out in things like um, billboards or oh. um, etched into glass on the, the window of the bank Yeah, and that kind of thing. So it was a few more kind of ways of showing the, the icon that we needed to, um, to consider um, or packaging is another one. So, um, yeah, I think it's more that kind of, you know, just making sure that for the first six or so we're agreeing on a style um, the final for- file format because that can change how you actually create the artwork. Oh, really? You know, a little bit, yeah. For example, um, you know, if you know that you're going to be doing it as SVG, um, then I'll be designing anything that's got a stroke. So, say for example, that kind of arrow that you get on carousels—that very sort of yeah. simple arrow. Uh, so, for that, if it was an SVG, I would do that as a stroke uh, that's centered 
and rounded edges, and you can have you can specify that in the SVG. Okay. But but if it's going to be an icon font, that's all got to be converted to a path so on the outside. Right. So, just my little little things like that, um, and just being aware of how that's going to be used. So, um, but generally, you know, that's um, sorry, I've lost my my original point completely. I, I- <laughs> Do you know, I don't care. That, that last bit, that whole bit about when you're talking about your process that you were going through with the client, that's what you were talking about. Yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, so you yeah, decide on that kind of file format. Thank you. Yeah, because so, I find that process really interesting, you know, of, of kind of um, how many options you give them, the whole trying it in context stuff, all of that, you know, it, because it is – is different, you know, having to worry about what your work is going to look like when it's etched in glass, you know, that just <laughs> does my head in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's important to get this sort of discovery phase right, because then once you've got that, once you've got this of the style, the format, even things like the file naming, right? you know, I had a project where, you know, it had about 200 odd icons yeah, and they came back and said, actually, we want these files named a different way. Oh. And you, <laughs> thank you. Um, it is good to know that up front. So once you've got that that stage done, you can then go ahead and just create the whole set. Yeah. Um, and sometimes for that set, you might say there might be certain options. So you might have to say, well, for this for the MRI scanner or something, we might have to do a few different you know approaches, and they can sort of choose what they think works best. But yeah, once you got past that initial stage, it's sort of you just go for it and yeah. just do it, do all the icons. Wow. So essentially, it turns into a factory line. I'm guessing after that, just <laughs> you must yes. go crazy. Surely, <laughs> I think I'd want well, to kill myself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. There's some. There's something quite zen-like about it sometimes. Uh, but it, they, you always get some kind of very tricky um, action that you have to create an icon for. Right. And often it's a case of you know this is so tricky to. Uh, to come up with some kind of symbol for, do you really need an icon for it? You know, yeah. is, is a text label going to be the best way to, for this? Yeah. Um, some really, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but some really odd um, things you have to try and show. I, I think someone actually at the end of a conference was asking me, I think they worked for Clark's Shoes, and they had to be, you know, uh, certainly had, had to involve a shoe box and a gift certificate and all these other extra bits into an icon and I kind of thought well no I don't think you can do it in an icon I think it's, just do it in text <laughs> <laughs> absolutely alright John we, we ought to wrap up I mean I really mm. could carry on for ages because it, it's it's just when you come across an area that's a little bit different to what you do but it's kind of related and it's fascinating to hear the differences and how it all works but thank you so much for coming on the show John it, absolutely brilliant stuff and um, we'll get you back before too long to to educate us some more <laughs> right yeah it's been a pleasure thank you Paul alright bye bye cool see you there so there you go John Hicks I, if, I, if I could have anyone as my dad it would be John Hicks <laughs> but he's younger than you isn't he that's that's a slight problem I admit <laughs> But I'm sure is, 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 he could adopt me, couldn't he? Is that not possible? He's into Doctor Who. He's so laid back. He's so so talented. Just it, it should be the way things are. There you go. Also, I really miss. Do you remember his podcast, Risington Podcast? Oh yes. Cool. That's got him and John Oxton. Yeah, that was so good. I used to love that show. But they kind of got bored of doing it, didn't they? Yeah, they weren't. They written. they only did like. 20 episodes yeah and then sort of thought we can't carry on doing this because we haven't got anything else to say well no they were really good i don't know why they gave up it's very it was very naughty of them but they're all still they're all still online so i'll put a link in the show notes to the risingtonpodcast.co.uk which is uh is um is a shame not no it's not a shame that it's still online It's a shame that they're not carrying on. And also, they had a lovely website that apparently got corrupted and and they lost their original website. So their new website is not as nice, mm. which is a shame. But it does have a lovely picture of them looking podcasty. So there you go. Maybe they've done the odd one over the years, have they? I don't know. Do you think perhaps That's we could... Ring- ringing a bell with me. Yeah, there, there were big gaps between them. 
Mm. But I'm I'm wondering whether we could persuade John to do a segment on our show. That'd be good, wouldn't it? He might do one one the odd one. Yeah, Risington Mini. Yes, <laughs> the Risington because t- they're not even at Risington anymore. That's where they they were. They had their offices there, mm. so it all went wrong. Really, it's all all so sad. Marcus, joke, joke. Do we need to talk about our sponsor? Do we have a sponsor? We do have a sponsor, but I've decided to do it a different way round. Right? Okay. We only mention the sponsor if the joke's funny. Okay. Because otherwise it it damages their brand, you see. (laughs) Well, I'm still using up these good jokes that I found. Okay. So there's there's hope then. Uh, Yeah, there's hope. Another one from Tim Vine. Uh, Last night, my girlfriend and I watched three DVDs back to back. Luckily, I was the one facing the telly. (laughs) Okay, that's quite good. (laughs) Which you know we've even got so so this week our, our um, the sponsor for the for the joke is the guys at Perch again right mm. so you think to yourself I'll, I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit more about Perch in a minute but you think to yourself okay so there's one sucker out there that was willing to sponsor your joke you know what one one organisation with a sense of humour that would be willing to associate their brand with your terrible joke. But no, there are two. Really? We have another sponsor for you uh, next week. Oh, no, the pressure is just building. I, I don't know. know if I can cope. So let's talk about Perch really quickly. A quick recap on mm-hmm. what we said last time, which is that if you remember that Perch is a great WordPress replacement, basically, because un- you know a lot of people use WordPress as their content management system, but WordPress was never meant to be a content management system. It was meant to be a blog. So it kind of does it, but not in a particularly elegant way. While Perch has been designed for the ground up to be a great little content management system that's damn fast, that doesn't involve complicated templates. You just build your HTML and CSS and then drop in some tags for the editable region. So it's deadly, deadly simple to get up and running. But you can also upgrade from from Perch to to a new product that they've got now, which is called Perch Runway. Mm. Now, Perch Runway is for bigger sites, so it's kind of the next step up from Perch. So you, it works in very similar ways to Perch. All the not, all the things that you you learn from using Perch also applies to Perch Runway. But now you've got a few, you know, those kind of extra bits of functionality that, that you maybe want with slightly bigger sites. So, for example, it supports Amazon S3 and um, content distribution networks and that kind of stuff. It's got backup functionality built into it. And also you can have like content elements that are tied to specific pages. So if you want to kind of have content um, that is shared across multiple pages in different scenarios, you can do all that kind of stuff. So what I really like about the addition of Perch Runway, because that's quite a new thing, is that you've got an upgrade path now. So if you, you start by designing some relatively small site for a client and then the client turns around and says, well, we want to be able to do this now, then you've got somewhere to go without having to completely start a game from scratch with a different tool. Um, so you can check out uh, Perch at Grab a perch.com forward slash Boag World. And thank you very much to them for being willing to take part in such a ridiculous exercise. <laughs> so that pretty much wraps up this week's show. Oh, yep. every time I forget to bring up who's on next week. Oh, I'm sure they're amazing, whoever they are. Let yeah, they're just great, whoever it is. Yeah, it's going to be the best show ever. That's what you're supposed to say, isn't it? <laughs> right, next time is... Oh, it's Jonathan Stark. Boring. Just skip it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's going to kill me. <laughs> so he's talking about a couple of things, actually. We're going to get him... Jonathan Stark is talking about... Um, a little bit about mobile, because he's a bit of a mobile expert. Um, but we also get into the subject of value-based pricing which is really interesting as well. So um, join us for that, Mm. um, and you can learn about how you can charge your clients more money for the same thing. He hates it when I talk about it like that. I I described it to um, value-based pricing to him recently as, um, oh, that's just seeing how much you can get away with charging, isn't it? He got very upset at me. (laughs) So he's on next week's show, which is great. All right, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye.
Bora! 